Welcome to On the Record, a guide to English law, the legal podcast brought to you by Glazier Solicitors. Hello and welcome to On the Record, a guide to English law. We have Emma here with us today. Hello, Emma. How are you? Hi, Bethany. I'm well, thank you. Emma is part of our private client department and we're going to be looking at inheritance tax today. Uh, before we get into that, Emma, would you like to share a little bit about yourself and, and your experience? Yeah, of course. So my name's Emma Green. I'm a solicitor at Glaciers. I've been with Glaciers for two years now. I specialise, as Bethany said, in private client services. So that sort of encompasses everything from wills and probate to uh, acting for clients who may have mental capacity issues and helping clients to plan for the future. So this podcast that we're doing today is part of the series that we've been working on with the private client department. And this is our second installment talking about inheritance tax. Talking about it with you, the overarching way we're looking at it is this idea of how much do I have to pay? when you get to the inheritance tax. So as somebody that doesn't really know much, I appreciate your time because it'll be helpful for me as well. Looking at inheritance tax, should I be worried about it? I suppose the easy answer is yes and no. (laughs) So inheritance tax is scary to a lot of our clients because the rate is currently set at 40%, which is obviously quite high in terms of, of any tax. It does cause our clients concern and it is a question that that we're asked quite regularly. It is, however, a common misconception that everybody pays inheritance tax. Everybody thinks that once they pass away, their estate is going to be liable for inheritance tax. It's a misconception because there's a certain threshold for everybody before you have to pay any inheritance tax at all. So it's it's entirely possible that when you pass away and your estate is dealt with by your executors, they can do all the right calculations, claim the right exemptions, and there'll be no inheritance tax to pay at all. In saying that, obviously, that means it's very important that you have your inheritance tax position reviewed on a regular basis because it will be different for everybody. The most common time to have things reviewed is obviously when you review your will. So if I'm your solicitor, I'll be asking you a number of questions. I'll be asking you to go into details about the assets that you have, what kind of liabilities you might have outstanding at that point in your life. We'll also ask questions about your family whether you own any businesses, because all of these things can have an impact on your liability to inheritance tax. Your tax position will also change during the course of your life, which is why we say regular reviews are really helpful. So for example, you may have no problem for a long period, and then all of a sudden you may have an inheritance from one of your parents, which all of a sudden sees your estate increase by a significant amount. And then you might discover that you have an IHT liability because you've inherited a large sum of money, whereas previously it wasn't a concern for you. So I think what I would say is, whilst we don't want our clients to be having sleepless nights about inheritance tax, it is useful to get in touch with us, have a review, you know, have your entire estate and all your your affairs and your, your estate planning looked at by a professional advisor. That'll give them peace of mind so that If it's not a problem, they don't have to think about it until the next time they come for a review. But it also means that if 
a problem does crop up or we can foresee a problem that may crop up in the future, we can give them advice on any appropriate options which are available to them. When you talk about tax, obviously HMRC is involved. How do you report inheritance tax to HMRC? So when we have an estate and someone's passed away, the executor's will administer the estate. And I'm sure this is a topic that that Charlotte will have covered in some detail previously. It's now mandatory to submit a tax return when you're administering an estate. So at the point where we submit the application to the probate registry for a grant of probate, we'll either just before or at the same time as we'll submit a tax return to HMRC. The value of the assets that are within your estate and also the type of assets that you hold at the time of your death, will determine what type of inheritance tax return we have to submit. So quite simply, there's a long form tax return, which goes into lots more detail about your assets. And there's also a short form. So the short form is designed for estates where we're quite comfortable that we're not going to be paying any tax because the estate actually falls within one of a number of exemptions. So but either, either route, we're still submitting a tax return. It's still some paperwork that has to be sent off by the executors. It's really important that your tax return is as accurate as it possibly can be. So your executors will go through a, a process of, of valuing the estate. But just because we're submitting a tax return to HMRC, again, doesn't necessarily mean there's any inheritance tax payable. We might just be submitting a return that says, these are the assets the person had at the time of their death, but we're not paying inheritance tax because X, Y, or Z, and we'll give a reason. If there is no inheritance tax to pay, it's still important to make sure that your tax return is as accurate as possible, particularly if you're part of a married couple or you've entered into a civil partnership, because the tax rules say that if the first partner to die hasn't used their tax allowance, the second person can. But in order to claim that additional allowance on the second death, we have to refer back to the original paperwork. So it's always really important to make sure that at every stage we're doing things as accurately as we possibly can. It is important to make sure that we make some progress with administering the estate as soon as possible, because if there is some tax to pay, then if we haven't submitted a a tax return within the relevant timescale, HMRC will start to do some calculations for interest and there will be interest payable on the tax bill so the sooner we can get started the better. So I always understood inheritance tax as a thing that a person pays fingers crossed not soon but when I die (laughs) will my estate need to pay inheritance tax? So inheritance tax liability falls to your estate the calculation for inheritance tax is fairly complex when you sort of drill right down into it. But put simply, as an individual, you have what we call a nil rate band, and that allows you to leave assets to your spouse, children, grandchildren, friends, family, before you pay any tax. So what we're doing is we're adding together all the assets that you own, we're deducting any allowable liabilities, And then if you've gone over that inheritance tax threshold, that's when we start to do the calculation of 40% of anything over and above that threshold. So it's it's not on everything. It's just 
anything that you you happen to have that as I say goes over that allowable amount it would be impossible for me to go into all of the ins and outs of an inheritance tax calculation but there are three main areas to be aware of so I've already touched on it a couple of times each individual has a nil rate band of £325,000 so using you as an example Bethany you can leave that amount of money under the terms of your will to your friends and family before we'll even think about charging any inheritance tax on the estate. The second area is where we've got people who've been married at the date of their death or they're in a civil partnership. So if we've got a fairly straightforward situation where, say, for example, the husband has died first, he's left all of his estate to his wife on his death. That means that he's not used any of his nil rate band because there's something called the spousal exemption. So the wife has inherited under the spousal exemption. But that means that on her death, she can then use the unused nil rate band of her husband. So she gets double. So she's then getting £650,000 that she can leave tax free. So that's known as your transferable nil rate band. Now, the third area to be aware of is one that's been introduced very recently. And I don't think I'd be the only solicitor to say it's very complicated, the legislation that they've put in place for the residential nil rate band. So in this current tax year, that's when the residential nil rate band will will take its full effect. A number of boxes have to be ticked before you can claim this allowance. So the exact amount will be dependent on the person's year of death and the assets that are being inherited by their family. So to explain it very simply, you need to have a property which you have lived in at some point in your life. You need to be leaving that property to your direct descendants on your death. So direct descendants can be children, stepchildren, grandchildren, adoptive children. It's fairly wide, the bracket. But the additional allowance can only be applied to the value of the property. We can't use it for other assets. So at the moment, the allowance is £175,000. So if an individual wants to use this, we will have to submit a more complicated inheritance tax return to claim this additional allowance. And we'll have to prove to HMRC that we've ticked all of the boxes. It can be tricky particularly where we've got maybe grandparents who want to benefit their grandchildren because part of the legislation says that the person inheriting has to take that asset straight away. There can't be any sort of waiting period. So, for example, grandparents do often want to leave assets to their grandchildren but might say, oh, they can't have it until they're 21 or 25, for example. And if we do incorporate this type of age contingency, what we may find is that the grandparent has inadvertently excluded the use of the residence nil rate band against that portion of the estate if a portion of the property is passing to the grandchildren where they've put an age contingency in place. There is a very complicated calculation that can be done where perhaps a person has sold a property during their lifetime, but they still want to try and obtain some of the nil rate band. It's called a downsizing allowance. And I haven't got the the time to go into that right now. Um, We can do that later. 
we yeah, can do that absolutely. on another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, maybe maybe someone else can do that one. But <laughs> it is it is possible. So if, if there isn't if there's a property that has been sold, we can look at, at downsizing allowances. But if it's the case that you're going to need to rely on your residential mill rate band, I would strongly recommend that you instruct a solicitor to help you do this because it's it's not going to be an easy task. Sounds like an absolute minefield. It just <laughs> just my initial thoughts. So getting this information early, I think, is at least the takeaway I've I've got so far. So my next question would be how do you pay the inheritance tax to HMRC? Do my executors settle the bill? Yes, is the short answer. So once all the tax has been calculated, HMRC will tell you how much tax that there is to pay. The estate is responsible for paying the tax. And this can be done just via a, a bank transfer like, like you would with your own bank. The difficulty sometimes can be having access to those funds because in the normal course of things, an executor doesn't get their hands on any of the the money that's in the bank until they've got the grant of probate. But as we discussed earlier, I send my inheritance tax return and my inheritance tax at the same time I make my application. So it, it can be a little bit tricky, but there are options. Some banks will participate in what's called the direct payment scheme. So the executors can send a request to any bank where the deceased held an account and there's sufficient funds in that account, obviously, to meet the tax liability and can provide them with details of, of the tax cut that's been calculated. The bank will then send the money directly to HMRC. So there's always that option if the executor doesn't have access to any funds themselves. If there are very few cash assets, which isn't entirely unusual if you know the person didn't maybe didn't have a lot in the bank but has a lot of equity in their property and obviously you can't sell that property yet you can contact HMRC and request what's called the installment option for paying the tax liability you will have interest accruing on the tax bill because obviously you're not settling it in full but that is an option with with HMRC there are other options that I mean those two I've talked about are are by far the the most straightforward executors can also look at maybe taking out loans to finance inheritance tax bills if this is necessary but we find that one of the two previous options is is usually sufficient to, to get the bill paid. Probably the most important question and the thing that people are already thinking about is there anything that I can do themselves to reduce the inheritance tax that will be payable? There are options open to people. There are a number of different ways that you can mitigate inheritance tax. And again, it's sensible to speak to your solicitor about your estate planning, you know, get them in a meeting with your financial advisor if you have one. You can do roundtable meetings where we all look at everything that's there and decide what's best moving forward. But if you are concerned about inheritance tax, we can look at how your will's drafted and who is set to inherit and in what proportions. So what we can do is ensure that your will is drafted in such a way to make the most out of your allowable relief. So going back to the point that I said about grandparents wanting to leave assets to grandchildren, we can make sure that you're not inadvertently doing something which is going to mean that the residential nil rate band isn't going to be able to be claimed. We can also obviously make sure that you're making use of your spousal exemption. And if you own a business, it's always worth considering how you're leaving your assets and whether or not you're going to be able to claim some business property relief. So definitely worth having a chat with us about those. 
we can also have a look at charitable legacies, which in themselves are free of inheritance tax. So I can leave a certain amount to charity and that portion of my estate won't be liable for any inheritance tax because it's charitable. But they can also have a direct impact upon the inheritance tax rate, which is payable on the rest of your estate. So, for example, if you leave a big enough proportion of your estate to charity, so it's 10% of the net value of your estate goes to charity, what HMRC will then do and say, well, okay, for the rest of your estate, you're not going to pay 40%, you're only going to pay 36%. So that's a way just to bring your inheritance tax rate down across the board. One of the most obvious ways to, to mitigate in, against inheritance tax is to make your estate smaller. So it might sound it might sound really obvious, but gifting to you know family members now, if you're a grandparent who thinks they might have an IHT liability when they pass away, if you can gift some of that money away now to maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren, if they're the ones that need it, house deposits, that sort of thing, that can obviously reduce the size of your estate. Now, it's not suitable for every client because in order to reduce the value of estate, you have to give up those assets completely. So, for example, if you've got if your estate is mainly made up of properties that you rent out and that rental income is your main source of income, it's it's not going to be appropriate for us to suggest that you start gifting those properties away because you're not going to have any more money coming in. There's also a time aspect, though, to bear in mind. So when it comes to gifting, if you want to gift to reduce inheritance tax, you have to survive from seven years from the date of that gift for that gift to fall entirely outside of your estate. So that's always worth bearing in mind. The sooner we can start reviewing this and looking at potential IHT liability, the sooner we can look at doing some estate planning. There's a, a number of exemptions that are within the inheritance tax rules that we can also advise you on. So there's your annual £3,000 gift allowance. You can consider gifts to family or friends who are getting married, gifts on customary occasions, Christmases, birthdays. It depends on the size of the gift. So smaller gifts can fall within an exemption. You can gift to political parties and to charities. So it's always worth considering all of these things. What I would say about these options for mitigating inheritance tax is that all of the options I've outlined all have their own limits, their own conditions, and some of them will require very careful will drafting. So before you consider making any gifts, speak to your advisors, get some advice, make sure that what you're doing is going to have the effect that you're intending. There is also an option to look at having an insurance policy put in place that would meet the inheritance tax liability on your death. Now, that's not something that as solicitors, we would advise you on particularly, but it might be worth us having a chat with your financial advisor about that and seeing whether they think that that might be a viable option for you as well. The things that you just mentioned, I, f- I feel like those are all things that I could do myself for my family. Yeah, absolutely. What about, sort of, not the other way around, but sort of looking at inheritance tax that's payable, that maybe is there a way to reduce it after death? After the fact, yeah. I mean, that's that's a question that, again, we're, we're asked quite a lot. So, you know, if, if somebody hasn't done any estate planning during their lifetime and, you know, the executors and the family come to the date of death and then they, they seek out a solicitor, they can 
come to the realisation that there is a fairly large inheritance tax bill that needs to be met that maybe, you know, their mum or dad or aunt or uncle that's passed away just wasn't aware of. If they seek advice fairly promptly, there are some options for, for after death that we can do to restructure the estate to minimise the tax bill. So again, we'd be looking at making changes to the estate that would allow us to claim more exemptions than just as the estate is structured on, on the date of death. So all the beneficiaries of the estate would have to be in agreement that this is the way they want to go. But usually where there's a tax saving involved, people are usually on board. So the beneficiaries can vary the estate and have it structured in a more tax efficient manner. We can, um, you know, change who receives what assets so that the maybe the residential nil rate band is now available or... We can look at making sure that if that person's owned a business, the people who are inheriting the business can claim the business property relief by maybe passing the business assets to the children rather than the spouse. Because obviously the spouse will always will also get their spousal exemption. So that might be a waste of an exemption. So if we can claim a bit more, you know, we can do. If this is something that the beneficiaries and the family decide that they want to do there is a two-year time limit so we have to do this within the two years of date of death now this sounds like a really long time it's like oh yeah I've got two years that's that's dead easy but we've got to get to the point first where we know what's in the estate so estate administration can sometimes take some time especially if you've got a complicated estate so again the sooner we can get going with this the better If it is done within the two-year time limit, though, all of the tax effects of the the variations that we've done are all read back to the estate. So it's as if that's how the estate was structured on the date of of death. We could also look, when we're altering the estate, at making more charitable gifts, which might result in, in, you know, getting that reduced rate of 36%. That might make that available. What I would say is that often dealing with The inheritance tax affairs of a friend or a family member can often lead the people involved to consideration of their own circumstances. And it can also sometimes have a direct effect on the estate planning of maybe the surviving spouse. So whilst when we are administering estate, we fully appreciate that looking at your own affairs might not be a priority, especially if you're recently bereaved. We do advise that clients take things one step at a time, but then do contact us again once they feel able to do so, so that we can look at their own situation, put some arrangements in place, which may ultimately then lead to making things much easier for their friends and family after they've passed away. I think doing all these podcasts and, and talking to all the different team members that we've got, the the one thing that I do take away is this idea of being organized, you know, having a plan, having things in place. And listening to you, I, I feel like that's especially important because it's not just the immediate things that these can have the impact on. It's, it's long-term and generational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one thing that also comes to mind is this idea of trusts. Now, for me, trusts, I'm not sure if it's a thing I've heard in a film or (laughs) if it's a way to go, but is trust something that you can use to deal with inheritance tax? It's an option. 
it's a more complicated option than some of the other things that we've we've already spoken about on the podcast. This is probably a topic that my colleague Chris Burrows will go into in much more detail. I think he's doing one of the the other episodes in the series when he's going to talk about a state administration and trusts in more depth. But what I would say about trusts is that they can be an effective tool to deal with inheritance tax issues. They can be used to transfer assets outside of your estate. So we were talking about earlier, making your estate smaller. If you put some assets into a trust, they're then in the trust as its own sort of entity. They're no longer within your estate. But they also come with the same provisos that I've outlined. So the effect of the trust has to be that you don't benefit from any assets that you put into the trust. But then that being said, whilst trusts are a good way to help with inheritance tax issues, they come with their own complications. So trusts have their own set of of tax rules. So it's certainly not something I think that you could do without the help of a solicitor to fully understand it, because you might be opening yourself up to different tax liabilities by doing it that way. Trusts are a good way to help with the inheritance tax gifting, because um, whilst you might want to give some assets to grandchildren, instead of, you know, putting a significant amount of money in one of their bank accounts so that they can go ahead and spend it, you might still feel that they're they're too immature to deal with what are usually quite considerable assets. So we put the assets into a trust, we appoint some trustees, we put some other people in control of what happens to those assets. So they should certainly be considered by clients. They are a part of some sensible estate planning. They have their place, but certainly, you know, come and talk to us about them first so that you understand exactly what you're getting yourself into before we start. You've given us quite a bit to think about, obviously. There's Hopefully. A lot of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> lots of things to go away and get organized, start planning, start thinking. One last question I have, are there any little tips or tricks or things that maybe we should think about in excess of what you've already shared with us (laughs) when it comes to inheritance tax? I think it probably just goes back to to what you've, you've said in response to obviously the information I've given you. I think my takeaway would be be organized, know what you have, have a, a, a financial advisor, a trusted solicitor, and have regular reviews, have a will in place, make sure that your assets are looked at on a regular basis. But equally, you know, don't have sleepless nights. Once you've got your trusted advisors on board, we're there to make your life easier. So if you've you've got us there and you use us and you have your regular reviews, you're doing everything that you possibly can. But if you think there might be a problem, don't put your head in the sand. Let's do something about it now. Well, I think for me, just personally, having somebody there that will do the maths on trying to figure it out (laughs) for me, having heard what some of those calculations involve, that there just, you've got me. Um, (laughs) um, I'll sign me up. So (laughs) we'll have another chat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, like we said at the beginning, this was the second of the probate series that we're putting together. Next time we will be speaking to Charlotte as we continue through all of these pieces. That being said, though, thank you, Emma, so much for your time today. No problem. You have have given us so much to think about and we really do appreciate it. 
And I know we'll be hearing from you again soon. Yes. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you.